Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through Next Financial Group, member of Fender Pacific, Texas Country Advisors, not an affiliate of Next. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance is not guaranteed to future performance. All of the views expressed are those of Andrew Gage, Upper Pies, and Texas Country Advisors, and not those of Next. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Texas Hill Country Market Update, brought to you by the Texas Hill Country Advisors, your local Texas Hill Country source for what's going on in the economy, the stock market, and the world of personal finance. We are back after uh, after a weekend, long weekend for us here on the Texas Hill Country Market Update. Uh, I think we, we haven't talked since last Tuesday or Wednesday, so we're glad to be back in the saddle. We're going to give you a quick review of where the stock market and financial markets are year to date and then talk about it a little bit. Uh, we are light on the economic calendar this week, uh, so there's not a lot of economic data, uh, groundbreaking economic data that will be released this week, but um, there's still some dominating narratives out there in the market. So let's jump right to it. So first up, let's take a quick look here. This is year-to-date stats for ma- ma- mainly the major three U.S. stock indexes right there. We're going to look at S&P, Dow Jones, and NASDAQ. If you look at last week, all three major indexes had a losing week uh, for the week last week. However, if you look at their year-to-date numbers, they're all up strongly year-to-date. The NASDAQ being the leader there, still up almost 28% year-to-date. It was notching above 30% in the last several weeks, but the last two weeks or so have kind of cooled off, at least in the stock market. And those have seen down weeks over the last couple of weeks. And uh, if you look at the, the leading three S&P sectors there, communication services, information technology, and consumer discretionary down here towards the bottom. And then the bottom three are utilities, healthcare, and real estate. So there's 11 sectors total in the S&P, and those are the top three, bottom three. So you can kind of see which sectors are kind of leading the way there. A lot of the gains that we've seen in the stock market so far this year have come from a select number of companies, mainly uh, uh, tech-oriented companies. And, uh, you know, we even heard, Gilbert and I heard some conversation not that long ago about uh, any concern around some of that. And we do think that there will be some widening out of, of some of this, whether it's the tech the tech companies that have had such a run up this year so far start to cool off or others uh, that make up some of the the other 500 companies in the S&P catching up to them um, or possibly going the other way. The last couple of weeks, though, so let's talk about that narrative a little bit. Um, Gilbert, feel free to jump in here. But I think the last couple of weeks, what we've seen is a cooling off in the stock market, mainly because of what's going on in the bond market. So in the bond market has a lot to do with dictating interest rates that are out there in the market, um, things like the 10-year U.S. Treasury, which tends to be a benchmark for U.S. mortgage rates, right? Mortgage rates tend to track that thing pretty pretty closely, not not uh, in tandem necessarily all the time. But, you know, as those things move up, you would expect mortgage rates to move up. And that's what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. So just last week, the uh, 30-year U.S. Uh, tr- uh, fixed mortgage hit 7.2, I believe, something like that. It's at a it's it's at its highs um, since before the, I think it's a 20 year high, maybe. So it's been a while. So this is, this is a new, uh, it's a new age for, for the market. And what's really taken hold the last couple of weeks is the idea that these higher rates are actually here to stay, not just here to stay until the fed decides to cut, but here to stay even possibly, uh, after that. 
What do you got to add to that? <laughs> oh, well, you were waiting for me to say something. Okay. Um, well, one thing's for sure. I think you're right. July, of course, was a fantastic month for the equity markets. Uh, August has been the exact opposite. It's been a cooling off period for the equity markets. And you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the bond market is going through some weird changes right now. The the bond market, the 10-year treasury, is right back up to it. It already hit and passed this November 2022 high yeah. of 4.2. I think uh, if I look today earlier, I think it was like 4.23. Yeah. Um, the, the 10-year treasury is going higher. Uh, the two-year treasury is almost at 5%. It, it It's telling you that the bond market is thinking that interest rates are going to stay higher for longer. Uh, we would have hoped that the two-year and the 10-year would have cooled off nicely by now, but that hasn't happened, and I think that's because the bond market is starting to accept the reality that interest rates are probably going to stay higher for longer. So you've got this um, rebalancing, I suppose you could say, in the bond market, and that's probably helping to pull some of the money not only from the equity markets, but it's it's forcing the people in the equity markets to reevaluate their assumptions about where interest rates are going to be, not only in the short term, but you know, even into the longer term, two, three years out, um, it's just telling you that that the bond market thinks that rates are going to be higher for longer. Now, there, there's one of two things that can happen because we still got this yield inversion going on where the short-term rate is higher than the long-term rate. Right. Like I was saying earlier, the, the two-year rate is a, uh, right at 5%, 4.98 this morning, and the 10-year is at 4.23%. So, it's usually supposed to be the other way around. The The longer rate is supposed to be higher. Right now, we've got it flipped. The short-term rate is higher. So that's what's called a yield inversion. Now, there's, there's one of two ways for that problem to be solved. Either the short-term rate drops below the long-term rate and we get back to a more normal yield curve, or right. you have the long-term rate start rising substantially more to then get above the short-term rate, which, you know, could happen also. And and right now, that kind of looks to be like what's going on, although that two-year rate seems to be bumping up a little bit more every time the 10-year rate goes up. So what's going to happen over the next few months? Not sure, but I think the Fed, uh, the economy, and, and certainly the bond market has decided that rates are probably going to stay higher for longer uh, and if we don't see much of a cool off in PCE, if we don't see the uh, a little bit more slack built in into the unemployment rate, if we don't see higher workforce participation, and right. if we keep seeing energy prices substantially higher than where they were a year ago right now. That could be problematic for yep, inflation. It, all of those issues right there would lead us to believe that the feds are not done raising interest rates. They're going to have to raise. Now, the the word on the street is that maybe they'll skip September like they did uh, July. Or, right. I'm sorry, um, June. June, right. Because right? um, they did raise in July. Maybe they will raise again in November because they do have three more meetings left this year. They've got the one in September, which is September 20th. Yeah. Uh, they've got one at the beginning of November, and then they have one mid-December. So, uh, the, the thinking is, and, and at least I think anyway, that the feds are going to skip September and raise in November. Although if, if things don't 
you know, uh, work out the way we expect them to over the next few weeks. Hell, they may have to do September, yeah, and they may have to do November too. Who knows? Because they're not done, and that's the message. They yeah. can keep trying to send, yeah. and then a lot of people, including ourselves, have been thinking that you know they're they're doing what they can to talk down some of that inflation. Say, listen, threatening the market narrative with, hey, we're going to keep raising and push interest mm-hmm. rates higher than you guys previously thought, is enough to kind of scare away some of that uh, inflation, but. You know that's the thinking there, but we don't we don't know if that's the case. They really and truly might have to just keep pushing higher. Right. There's there's a lot of things that are going on that that might change the narrative. And and as we've said before, the high the best solution to high energy prices is high energy prices. At some point, people will look for alternatives and reduce their consumption of oil, and you'll see the price go down um, because either production will come up or there'll be enough slack in the system where there's an oversupply and the price will go down. Uh, At some point, the best cure for low unemployment is low unemployment because (laughs) at some point, uh, people that uh, left the workforce or not participating in the workforce will be forced to come back to the workforce because of higher prices, also known as inflation, uh, maybe better wages, so, so there's some solutions to the problem. Um, and then this, it's the same thing for inflation. The best cure for inflation is higher inflation. Eventually, people will get to the point where they just can't spend any more money. Right. And we, we might be getting there, too, because if you'll recall in the program a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the U.S. consumers have recently crossed the $1 trillion mark in credit card spending. Right. Um, or outstanding balances on credit cards, I should say. And which is which is totally different than something like what we're seeing with in the housing market where people have locked in these lower fixed rates right. in their in their main dwelling and a lot of times and they're not really interested in buying another house when they might otherwise would be right because they have such a low interest rate and they would have to fork over that interest rate on their existing mortgage to go into a higher price mortgage and because of that uh, they're not really moving and new home sales have spiked as a result of that too. So, right. right. So, and, and again, too, the, the best cure for high real estate and housing cost is higher real estate and housing costs. At some point you will see uh, the market get overburdened with higher prices and the, the days on the market will last longer and people will start to drop prices. And I think even in our area in Kerrville, we've started to see that, no, you're seeing houses stay on the market longer. Uh, doesn't necessarily yeah. mean the prices have come down substantially but the, yet. But the inventory is building up. Inventory is building up. And at some point, you will see a generalized decrease in housing values because of the substantially higher costs and the lack of willing buyers out there. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention real quick before we jump off, because you mentioned the inverted yield curve. Uh, I would always give a shout out to Investopedia.com. They have a lot of uh, great general um, financial knowledge um, for investors, but also financial literacy uh, curriculum out there, too. But this is this is uh, what an inverted yield curve would look like. This is straight off their website. And so this is this is backwards. Right. So the higher the yield, which is the interest rate on a given loan and then the maturity. So the longer dated the loan, the longer term is on the bottom axis there. And it would make logical sense that the longer the maturity, the higher the yield. Right. But when you have an inversion, that's not the case. So the shorter term uh, U.S. Treasuries, in this case, the ones that are dated, like you were just saying, two years, um, even the five year, those are more shorter term interest rates or yields out there in the market uh, 
on the maturity side, but those are paying way more than longer dated maturity. So another way you could look at this is what we've been talking about too, is uh, CD rates that have gone up substantially, right? Over the last two years. So if you go to buy a shorter term CD right now, more than likely, you're going to be able to get a higher rate on the shorter term CD than you would on the longer term CD. And that just doesn't make a lot of logical sense, but that is because of the inverted yield curve. Mm -hmm. So over time, this will will straighten itself back out. It's just a matter of how much longer we have to wait and what has to happen. Uh, like you were just mentioning, whether the short end comes down or the long end rises to try to get that yield curve back to the spot or the way that it should look. Yeah, either way, a, a yield inversion is not good for, for anybody it, or anything. And there's a lot of economists <laughs> and people out there, and, and even I've seen, I've picked up on stuff on Instagram and all, all over the place on the internet that talk about how every single time in the past, um, or they say, they cite a lot of historical data that says uh, every time we've had a yield ver, uh, yield curve inversion, it's signaled the oncoming of a recession or it's led uh, by, by a recession or I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. It leads a recession. And that's that's a lot of the talk of the town right now in the markets. And we haven't seen it. It's been inverted since the end of last year. So, you know, we're going on like nine months of this mm -hmm. and it, we still haven't seen this recession yet. Yeah. Recession. What recession? What yeah. recession? <laughs> Not right now. And I think I think the the general consensus is that it's it's probably coming. We'll probably see a slowdown. But like we've mentioned a million times before, it'll probably not be um, as short drastic and yeah, yes. as ones in the past. So short and shallow is what we're looking for there. Okay, guys, I think that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, interact with us, share our content, helps other people find the show. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Most weekdays, the stock market is open and all places podcasts are possible, including Spotify. Thank you guys so much. Have a great rest of your day and we'll catch you back here tomorrow.